Welcome to And Almost Starring, the show where each week we take a film and break down the casting, including who almost starred. I'm Jeff Ronan. I'm Amy Jo Jackson. And, oh, you got a little something on your face. Oh, nope, that's your face peeling off. We're looking at Death Becomes Her. For better or for worse, out there is a universe where it may seem bizarre, but they were almost starring. Amy Jo how you doing today? I'm all right, Jeff. How art thou? Oh, I'm doing good. It was very fun to revisit this oh, yes. pitch black comedy. You know, it's a dark comedy is hard to get right. Because this is one where, really, is there anyone sympathetic? But I still love it and can't stop watching. Yep, yep. I'm all in. <laughs> Baby, we are all in. Yeah. Uh, listener, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the pod. Maybe like or review or tell a friend. Well, leave us a little note. Leave us a, leave us a little note. Leave us a little note. Like, hey. Gosh, ain't those kids a hoot? And and don't forget OJ on your way back from the grocery store. Just a little yeah, note a little for note us. like that, like that. Just yeah. like that. Uh, and if you haven't seen already, uh, be sure to check out our new Patreon. Our pa- Patreon. Uh, at patreon.com slash and almost starring, where we have a watch along commentary on the fly and a new patron exclusive episode on Thor Ragnarok, just in time for Thor Love and Thunder. But right now, we ain't talking about Thor. Heck no. We ain't talking about the fly. Heck no. We talking about Death Becomes Her. Yes. Heck yeah. <laughs> Death Becomes Her came out on July 31st, 1992. We are just a few days away from the 30-year anniversary. Da, 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 da. And was directed by Robert Zemeckis and written by Martin Donovan and David Kep. Amy Jo, what's your experience with that Death Becomes Her? Had you seen it before? I had, but this is one I came to relatively late given my friend set. You know, like this is one that once I saw, I didn't see it till mm, mid, late 20s maybe even, which... It feels like this should have been in regular rotation with Waiting for Guffman and Clue. This feels like a real like double feature with Adam's Family Values. um, Oh sure, uh, uh, to Wong Fu. Like it's it's Mm. all of the people who like all those films like this film too. Um, And I don't just mean homosexuals, but (laughs) it helps, you know. So I am when I watched it, I was like, oh. What a fool I am for having missed <laughs> this. Um, so I've I've now seen it a number of times. How many? How great is that number? Still probably less than ten. But I've I've seen it. You know, now I've rectified the situation. Uh, that ain't no uh, small potatoes. Uh, somewhat less than ten viewings for something. What's your past being a child? Because when you're a child, you got nothing but time. What? When All you're, you're a doing child is watching movies, and you have the appetite for repetition that I do, and you can just yeah. pop that VHS in, rewind it, and start it over from the beginning. That's what I was gonna say. What was the one? I know there were others, but I feel like there's one specifically that you would do that Princess with. Bride. Princess Bride. Princess of Bride. Adventures of Huck Finn, starring Elijah Wood. Oh wow. Um, uh. Aaron would do it with Angels in the Outfield, and we reached a point where I was like, I can't watch this movie again. Um, it has to stop. So I hid it for a bit, um, just up in my closet, and then I watched it again. Just like how your mom hid uh, the cast recording for Sister Act. Not cast recording or for soundtrack. Sister Act. No, no, no. no that was always fine. No, oh, she big. Hid, was it big? No, she hid. What was she hid um, 
well, she just didn't want us watching Full House. Uh, wait, um, wait, okay, that this is not a... didn't want us watching it, but was like exhausted by it. What else did she? Oh, I say. What else did she? I did thought it was on the something. grounds of somehow Full House no, is like not appropriate have... for you children. No, no, no. unfortunately, it was not appropriate house. for the adults. No, she she may have hid the Dancing Princesses uh, uh, the fairy tale theater Dancing um, Princesses oh. because. We watched that. Oh, maybe so maybe it times. was on our sister act episode. Maybe we yes, posed a yes, conspiracy sure theory that she purposefully got rid of the sister mm. act soundtrack. Maybe mm, that's what it was. Maybe. Anyway, we ain't talking about any of those things. We're talking about that. That becomes her. And I uh did I see this for the first time with you? I think I, I think you did. Yeah, I had just never seen it before. It was just never on my radar. I'd certainly seen clips. Being a big old film nerd. You know the quotes the, now a well, warning. Oh now yeah. I know the quotes. Well now <laughs> I didn't know that I didn't know then. I didn't know about the warning back then. I only know now the warning now I see, I see. after the, seeing it, which is uh apropos, I think, to not know the quote until after I've seen it. Fair. As she doesn't know the warning until after yeah, she's I drunk. I understand how shown. it's functioning. <laughs> Thank you. Just well, just in case any listeners are like, what? Um, but uh yeah, it was so fun. I and I'd seen like a lot of like behind the scenes i'd seen like stuff of like you know oh VFX. sure you as a nerd being like thank I you see. that's what i'm saying me as a film nerd i'm seeing like the special effects of like how they did this i'm sure you know what they might have been i would not be surprised if there was a little clip or two at the universal studios oh. horror makeup show Faux show where i remember because they also had clips from the thing and i'm like this is a show that anyone at universal studios can come to including me a child and here's some clips of a guy <laughs> going to do uh, uh the defibrillator on a guy but when he goes to do the defibrillator the guy's chest opens up and becomes a monster mouth and then munches the guy's hands off <gasps> and then he's just got bloody stumps and i'm a kid going this rules <laughs> <laughs> but as an adult i'm like the children what about the children yes yes um and i'm pretty sure they have they must have had like a clip or two from this because like this the it's bananas like this is the first time they could really capture skin texture with with uh, CGI with like VFX. Oh, I, I believe is what it was. Just how that you I was get reading. the flaking stuff. And... Well, not the fl- not even the flaking stuff, but like the stuff where like Meryl's like pull like all the like, the head, her head the up. neck trauma, all yes, that, the yes. head going back, like all oh. that specifically. A lot of the flaking stuff is just ma- is just really good makeup. Oh. But the specific like once. <laughs> things are stretching in places that are impossible to do totally. unless you're like is meryl a contortionist did she not also like learn that she's how not, to do that not not like this meryl may not have like learned this. polish from a german like a polish may have learned german With from a, a polish, polish speaker yeah. who also spoke german but she can't actually break and stretch her own neck in that way i don't not think. for That's, lack of trying not for lack of trying you know, she's a dedicated craftsperson. She sure is. She sure is that Meryl. Some might say she's pretty good at the, at the craft of it's the acting. It's been said. It, you know what? It has been said. Uh, and right now, what we're going to say, what we're going to say is the synopsis. So spoilers what ahead. Gonna say. What we're going to say. Well, because, you know, soon it will be what we said. So spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen, what if we just do the rest of the episode in this voice? What hey, do you it think could of happen. that? It could. It could happen. Listen Get to, used to it. Wait, don't pause. Where are you going? <laughs> um, spoilers ahead. You ain't seen Death Becomes Her or you haven't seen Get it in a while. It. A, get into it. But B, here's a briefish synopsis. So it's 1978 when we start in not New York, but Broadway. Yes, that's one of my favorite things is just the that kind of attention to high camp detail. Like, no, 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 not New York City, 1978. No, no. Broadway. Broadway. Not even like 45th Street, the whatever name it, the theater was, like the Fairfax Theater. No, no, no. 
Broadway. <laughs> uh, well, we are seeing Meryl as Madeline Ashton. Now, we're going to have to take conservatively half an hour to talk just about this little scene. So buckle okay. up. Um, One of my favorite moments, which I hadn't really, I'd forgotten about until we watched it this time, is, you know, people are leaving because it's a flop. It's terrible. Madeline Ashton, what? A musical of Sweet Bird of Youth. What were they thinking? So there's playbills discarded on the ground, which very New York City, you know, and the playbill, a picture of it uh, on front of it is a picture of Madeline Ashton, like with this hair, her as, you know, Princess Cosmonopolis, Alexandra Del Lago would be the character that we don't really hear her name. And then it cuts from this close up that they're doing of the discarded playbill on the ground to her on stage doing the exact <laughs> same pose and the exact same shot. It's so funny to me. It's always so good. I, anytime that you cut from a picture to someone doing the same pose, comedy gold. So good. Anytime someone is posing in front of a picture of themselves and matching the pose, like Timothy Dalton in Hot Fuzz, uh-huh. ex- can't get enough of it. This should be a trope. I want I want to get tired of this trope. Yes. Put this trope in more comedies. It is simple, but deeply effective. It's and so then good. I would also like to take a moment to think it's... The remainder of the 29 minutes yes, of discussing exactly. this opening. So... Musical number. Sweet Bird of Youth. Yes. What's so great about this movie is, like, in a lot of ways, it just completely trusts its audience to either get the references or not, but yeah. they don't... There's so many film references and, and theatrical references, like, they're not taking the time to explain them, and they're not, like, hidden away. It's like, we're we're fully doing a musical number from Sweet Bird of Youth, and all you need to know is that this is a bad idea for a musical, you know? Which actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it could make a really excellent musical, but not like this. Uh-oh. Not like Songbird. <laughs> not like this. Check um, in with us, listener, for next year's for hey, Songbird. Yeah, you know what? Uh, written, and I, written by Amy Jo Jackson. I don't remember the rights. So uh, apparently. Yet. 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 But um, so anyway, it is a play about like the pain around feeling like you're your age is making your stock in trade like decrease Mm. like and not just the central character that she's playing but the other character chance wayne like they're both people who are like becoming too old for the thing that they were very good at you know they are both like starting to age out of this and they both have a lot of panic around it her as an actress him as a gigolo and so (laughs) It's like there I was like, oh, there are other plays where people are dealing with this, but it's not the central thematic focus, which it is for Sweet Bird of Youth. But they don't bother to explain it. You're just like, oh yeah, of course. It's a play about an aging movie star who is running from the yeah. fact that she she's literally run from a premiere where she's seen her face on the screen and and seen wrinkles and been like, I'm too old to be doing this and I can't bear to see it. Give us a snippet of that monologue of when when she like is trying to get away. Yes, okay. I, Some, I, someone's stopping her. I made the mistake of wearing a rather elaborate <laughs> gown to the premiere. A gown with a train, <laughs> long regal, regal white train that had to be gathered up as I rose from my seat and began the interminable retreat up the up the theater aisle. Up, up. Yeah, something about retreat from the city of flames. Up, <laughs> up, up the unbearably long theater aisle, still gasping for breath and clutching up the regal white train of my gown. When suddenly, a small <laughs> unknown man tapped me on the shoulder or something and said, stay, stay. And then she says something. I, I turned, struck him, and let the train fall, forgot it, and turned to run down the marble stairs, tripped, of course, fell and rolled, rolled like a sailor's drunk whore to the bottom. 
Anyway, these are just some of the lines in Tennessee Williams' Sweet Bird of Youth. And I knew more than I should, given how long it's been since I've looked at that. But the point is, it's like, (laughs) it's a perfect selection. Perfect selection. So, so smart. It's telling people what to think if they know. And yet, totally unnecessary to understanding the plot. But like uh, watching it, I was just like, this is so smart. And so intended to delight people who get the references without excluding people who do not. Yeah, and we're getting Meryl. She's doing her own singing. Oh, yeah. She's doing her, she's she's dancing. It's a full production Well, we've all seen The Winner Takes It All with the scarf. Well, now, but in 1992, she hadn't been doing a musical. Apparently she Apparently, she really wanted to play Evita, Eva Perón in the movie. Oh, she sure did. Well, one day, maybe... Maybe we do a little episode on Evita. So we'll check back in there. But I do, I will say if I believe her quote was that if it went to Madonna, she's going to tear her throat out. Something like that. Something like something that. Something along those lines. Mm. Uh, we should probably do Evita. Hey, listener, write in if you want to see us do Evita. <laughs> um, but here's the thing. For most of this number, this time watching it, I was like, I've seen a lot worse The fact that they were Broadway. all leaving, I was like, no, you're not. Number one, this they is a major star and you're too polite. They shouldn't have started leaving until it became a full disco. Because once, it, once <laughs> yes. it dropped into the 1970s, <laughs> aspect of it all then i was finally like okay this is not good but i'm also like but if it's it's meant to be a comedy then this is great this is so silly but i mean you got the exclamation point but if it's supposed to be really serious then this is a failure but uh i was like i've seen seen oh yeah i'm like these bellhops are working their their tushies off you know yeah they got some great dances yeah if they had also had them be like not great then i could understand if it looked like a just it should have been even, I don't know, it could have been even more tacky for me. Like yes. the set should, should have been like really garish. They could have also been so many bellhops in this hotel, but like they could have been wearing like ridiculous, like <laughs> How could you need so costumes? many bellhops for one hotel? Look, a Sweet Bird of Youth is a larger cast than you would think for what's essentially a two-hander with like a few villains. Four-fifths bellhops alone. It's, but in this cast, it's like, oh, I see everyone's <laughs> doubling as a bellhop. Anyway, so... Was that half an hour? I think I've fulfilled the brief. Well, we're at about 14 minutes on the (laughs) on the timestamp here. Um, But so whilst we are seeing this, we see that Madeline's uh, longtime frenemy, Helen Sharp, Goldie Hawn, uh, in the audience with her fiance, Bruce Willis, as plastic surgeon, Ernest Menville. And he can't get enough. He is woohooing and clapping. The only one. Really the only one. Which, again, it's like you've seen worse things. You've yeah. seen worse things. There were major flops on Broadway in the 70s. Like, I know. Get, well, get it together. You know, whatever. So, Bruce, you know, Bruce, he's got the right idea. He's giving credit where credit's due. She yeah. is, this is a full, big, big time number. People shouldn't be, it's, it is great when you cut inside the theater as like, they kind of zoom out for Meryl as you're seeing people get up and get go and leave. not even waiting for like the end of a number right in the middle it's that's they're like fourth row it's so thing. bad it's hilariously bad i get it in death trap when they leave because it's like it's so stilted and just bad who you know? could believe this look to audience who yes that's my it's just favorite like... part in the play within the play in death trap <laughs> it's so bad but this is like well they're trying they are trying. Can you do trying. that? I can't do that. No. I'd like to see me try to do that. <laughs> uh, but so Helen goes backstage to Meryl. It's like, I mean, look, here's the thing. Meryl, she could do so many things, but it's like we really got gifted with the comedy that we got from Meryl because she's so rarely, nowadays she's doing more comedy, but back then especially, it was like this and she devil with Roseanne. Yeah. But like her just like practicing. Oh, like, yeah. <gasps> 
to of seeing how she does two of those, and then the third one is yeah. like, yeah, let him in. Like, but just with the gesture, like, go on. Yeah. She also, I think, one of the things that Meryl does so successfully in this performance is play with like this grand dame diva type thing, but then really also play with like the fact that she's from Jersey, like, <laughs> and the the like more kind of out of whack she gets but like the more she feels her star fading the more kind of pedestrian and kind of like oh she gets which is such a fun color number one to see on meryl number two to see on like an actrice performance yeah, absolutely but yeah so longish story slightly shorter uh so helen goes backstage to see madeline with her fiance ernest and like clearly worried that ernest is gonna that Madeline's going to steal Ernest. Mm-hmm. Just like ever, ever since I've known her, like she's always stolen my boyfriends. Yeah. She says, I, ne- I needed you to meet her before we got married. Yes, Cause I needed you to pass the Madeline test. And you know, he's like, uh, there's no way, no way at all that I immediately cut to what the him and Madeline walking down the aisle. Death on the Nile move. It's like the best friends. Like you're like, Oh, a wedding. Oh, with the other goo. <laughs> oh, there we go. One little third act twist and death becomes her. We get a certain mustachioed detective. Okay. Making, his way in to solve the case this could use some kind of some character actor i don't know who but someone uh kind of nosing their way in trying to solve some kind of mystery maybe Uh, i like how tight this film is we don't need it but it could be fun i'm saying Mm -hmm. it could be fun um but yeah so we kind of then bip a little a few times in the future we go seven years in the future we see goldie hahn is kind of living it hard her she's got eight hundred cats, cats living in her apartment she's just watching meryl in some film die on repeat just rewinding and we see this mm-hmm. must be i believe it's dark windows is we see this poster a lot for this of hitchcock fake movie references in this with film. uh meryl streep's character and michael caine and this is i assume meant to be a clip from that film since yeah. we see michael caine and i had to do some digging folks oh but did you find something i believe so by comparing uh photo like still images Mm -hmm. from other movies that michael Caine had done wow you went deep hey we've said it before we'll say it again a nerd um (laughs) but yes so because it's like this the briefest little clip of michael Caine, and then meryl's like what are you doing here and then gets strangled and goldie hunters in a real dial m for murder Oh like, yeah, no. very dial M. Over the desk, the hand going out, you know, right, right. it's very dial M. But I mean, Michael Caine is not credited in this film at all. So I assumed but it was his, just- his name is there on the poster. His name is on the poster, but his name ain't on the poster for Death Becomes It, nor is it in the credits, nor is he even uncredited sure. the way a certain Sidney Pollock is uncredited. Which is wild. Right. But I was like, oh, that's fine. They probably just pulled a clip from another Michael Caine movie, which is what they did. But it doesn't even say you can't find what film it's from. Normally you can find, you can, Mm -hmm. IMDB, the old internet movie database, old IMDB lists like this film references the the adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn. When you see Meryl and Goldie Hawn fighting with shovels, but just their shadows, Mm -hmm. just like Errol Flynn, blah, blah, blah. But going through, this is from the 60s film, The Ipcris File. So this is some wow. older, because I was like, Michael Caine's looking fresh faced here. Yeah. So this is in like the late 60s, but he's got the glasses. He's got that suit. So I am 98% sure it's The Ipcris File. Listener, I know you were concerned about this too. So you are welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would like to jump yes. in here real quick and say, it. I do think it pays off in a way that is... Um, that I, I am okay with, but I think there were better ways to, I just, let's put it, the fat suit. I don't like it. Oh no, it's terrible. It's awful. I, I, I just 
hate that we continue to perpetuate this idea that like um, that weight is somehow like a moral failure or an indication of psychosis or like you just don't care, you know? And so like, I know they're going for like a transformation, like as stark as they can get, but there are, they already had her looking drab and could have gone much further with that when she's just then like even, no, yeah just drab hair. up the hair even more like you don't you could still have her eat in the frosting out Absolutely. of the can but and you like, don't they need already to had have her, this ridiculous fat suit no and they already had her in clothes that like have no shape to them where you yeah. can't really see her body so that then when Meryl I mean comes it's Goldie Hawn you got to throw on 18 exactly. sweaters but over her it can be done yeah, you know sure. and so like that it like put her in like some dirty pajamas or robes make her look you know like Blanche Dubois in the final moments of Streetcar, you know, like to yeah. keep with the Tennessee Williams. But True. like I, there are ways to get at the same thing without continuing to perpetuate okay. all this nonsense. I'm um, not disagreeing. So I'll say that. Yeah. Uh, and th- then she's put in this. It's it's is it an institution? She's it's also it like seems very one flew over the cuckoo's nest. But slash a fat camp. It's a it's a lot. This this doctor is chewing her out like she's the chief of police and Goldie Hawn is the loose camp and detective she's yelling like god damn it helen you've been here this many years and you haven't even lost a single pound it's like i interpreted that as this is again your weight is indicative of your mental problems and therefore if you lose weight we're gonna get like also doctors this um Oh, propensity to attribute all of your problems to your size rather than to listen to anything that's actually wrong with you or anything that you might have to say about that. So, Well, like, at least in this case, a lot of that is also attributed to her obsession yes, with Meryl. Is that she can't go like but like that's a minute what, without mentioning exactly, Meryl. Exactly, which they've like tied her psychosis to that right, and right. to her weight. Um, totally. So to me, that was more just a like, this is... Well, part of being a doctor is making sure I treat you for all the stuff that's wrong with you, and it's bad to be fat. Okay, but the, you were the way you are saying this right now in that voice. I'm saying that this doctor is. Sa- oh no, I love said. this doctor though. <laughs> I I fully love this actress who's playing the psychiatrist. The problem with you is yeah. That it's that is it is a hard hitting police procedural for a moment for she, no reason I can see. Well, I, it's a real turning your badge and lipstick. She's you know what it is is it's it is the kind of you're riling up the other patients and making it impossible for anyone to make progress and you've made no progress because you won't stop talking about Madeline. Right, like it it was very like I think there to give us the history and the idea of like this has been going on <laughs> a long time, just a bit. But she she. The doctor says something that gives Goldie Hawn an idea. And we're like, well, what idea did that give you? And we won't find out for a while because instead we cut another seven years in the future. I think it says another, another seven, seven years. years. Again, great title work. And now Goldie Hawn, because she's been an aspiring off a, a novelist or writer this whole time. And she has a new book like all about how she's like transformed and how she's like, yes. I think it's just like a real like. It's like a weight loss, weight and loss beauty self book. beauty book. Yeah. yeah. Which I do appreciate that later. They they explicitly call out like, oh, so your book was bullshit, you right? Know? Which yeah. I do appreciate that, but it is also like, right? We still could have done the same thing in a different <laughs> way. Hey, it's very true. It's very true. But now that we are fourteen years from that opening song, Broadway, uh, Bruce is now no longer working as a surgeon. He's a full blown alcoholic whose hands shake too much, so all he can do is help like be painting up corpses to try to like make them or, or like 
just make them look better yep. for death. He's he's a, like a wizard. He's like he's you know what he's like. He's like a wizard. A wizard. He, well, there was that part in the, later in the film when he goes fly you fools right before his suspenders flick and he goes flying down. Yeah, that was really just unexpected. like a wizard. Just like a wizard, the well-known wizard we know. He was fighting that Balrog, Isabella Rossellini. <laughs> there should have been a Balrog at that party. Oh There's my gosh, James can Dean, you imagine Elvis, a Balrog? A Balrog-sized Isabella Rossellini. I can imagine nothing else. I would <laughs> I love a Balrog-sized Isabella Rossellini. That'd be a great, that'd be a great twist. Have her just become a giant for no reason. Why not? Why not? Um, or just have, you know, have like a wizard at this party. If you're, if you're saying, <laughs> if you're saying that there's, you know, you, you, I Who's mean, flash forwarding, you've got James Dean, you've got Elvis, who is making this potion? But if a not wizard. A wizard. If not some magical wizard. <laughs> Dumbledore's hiding around there somewhere. Um, but yes, so now him, Bruce and Meryl, their, their wedding, their, their wedding, their marriage is so it ain't on the rocks. Good. It isn't how you say good. But they go to Helen's opening book party, and now Meryl's seeing like that Goldie Hawn looks like what? Goldie Hawn. <laughs> She's like, we're leaving. As Goldie Hawn clear her plot is to win back Bruce and kill and- Madeline. Yeah, it's like we're really on Goldie Hawn's side for the first like 30 minutes of this film. But then she's like come back just to be like, and now we kill her. Now we yep. methodically plot of how to kill her. Uh, but meanwhile, Meryl is like, I'm, you know, at this point now she's 50 and she's she's feeling it. She had gotten from this great scene of this her like, what, what was it like a plasma reduction or something where they're know. like, you can only get one every, every six, six months. months. She's like, I, I, it's been about that it's time. And it's like, it's been ages. You just had one three weeks ago. Please, please, Madeline. <laughs> um, but she gets this business card for Liesl and she originally rips it up. But then she's like, okay, I'll go to figure, find out whatever this potential get beautiful also after quick her scheme like is. her young lover basically dumps her when she walks in him with another woman and he there's this great moment where he says like oh just find someone your own age madeline and it instantly begins to pour immediately pours <laughs> She's just like Sad. oh she gives the perfect like <laughs> as it's pouring on her it's so good but she goes to isabella rosalini's uh liesel's who has this magic potion that's like okay you know you're gonna take this you're Gonna stay beautiful forever, but all these rules, you know, don't stay in the same place now, for 10 years. a warning. Right. Now, now a, a warning. warning. I, I love how much the film, like, sets things up and then immediately is like, well, then we're actually not doing that at all. Like, the totally. whole, like, we're gonna try to kill Meryl and then make they it look like she was a long time drunk. on that whole sequence yeah. where we get to see it. I mean, right. that's also what's so fun. I love the shot of... You know, they've been acting it out while Goldie Hawn is narrating what the plan is. And then they push the, just, she might have had just a little too much to drink. And Cut it's like to 18 bottles, liquor bottles. Empty bottles. And they, they push the car off Mulholland Drive and then it explodes. And like in the flames is like her then talking to Bruce Willis. It's like such a great shot of like the flames in the background. It's well done. No one will know. <laughs> it's really well done. Uh, but Bruce, he jumps the gun a bit because he's having it out with Meryl. And she starts, she's like trips on these she's about to fall down the stairs and he's about to help her and instead she just she insults him one more time just and he just gives one little thingy going boop she goes down these stairs like like okay oof. there's only the like maybe 20 stairs 
but they show her going down the whole thing probably like five times. It's so funny. <laughs> this was like the staircase that Uma has to climb and kill Bill too with the water pails. This she's falling forever. It's like Rocky going up the stairs to the Philadelphia Art Museum. It's exactly it's like a that. lot of stairs. What, the Philadelphia Art Museum. Nothing against Rocky, but maybe a statue of Meryl from Death Becomes Him. Yes, instead could, you've got of room. Rocky, or up there, both. Or you both. get all the way up the stairs and you're like, oh, this guy. I know he didn't have as much trouble getting up the stairs as I just did. I feel like a jerk. <laughs> um, but Meryl, her she her neck is broken, but she of course is still alive. We get this great scene of him taking her well, to Sidney Pollock. He, the reveal is so good because um, Ernest, you know, Bruce Willis is in the foreground on the phone calling Helen. And then she's like, well, wait, but did you call the police yet? He's like, no, I called you first. She's like, what are you going to think they're going to like, what yeah. do you think they're going to think? And they're having like a conversation. And behind him, Meryl is like is a backward headed Meryl the just floor. But it's out around. of focus. It's great. Like, that's one of the things I think is so fun about it is that it's just like you're then you get to see all the effects later it's not because they're trying to hide anything it's because it's it's it's, really building because it's less than you'd think they're really building up to them yes um very smartly so whereas now it'd be you know they'd be looking like pretzels by yes. minute 20 which yes. is fine i fine i guess you want to i get you want to show off the but special effects but there's like something about the special having, effects of this movie are also the strength of it's like the jaws central effect, actors where you take a while to yeah. get to all this and then it's still being used sparingly and then it's just like now it's just a full-blown shark for the last half hour of your yeah. film or in this case uh meryl with her head twisted on backwards and goldie with a hole blown through her right. because two full-blown sharks she, goldie's also taken the potion that's how she's turned her life around and become Super but they also do a great thing when they reveal like that Meryl like shoots Goldie Hawn dead and she falls into the pool, this like fountain Little fountain type pool, thing. Yeah. And and she's like bleeding out and everything. And they have her in the background for a long time. And you expect that shot to mirror the shot of Meryl where suddenly we see Goldie Hawn come in out of focus in the background. Like the way that they have her mirrors the way they had Meryl, but they don't do that. They wait until then we have eventually um uh you know Meryl and Bruce Willis like way off like not even on camera and, and Goldie Hawn like lifts her head up in the foreground so it's just like a really nice thing where you're like oh is she dead is she is she gonna come oh no she's not <gasps> oh she is but it's, it's revealed differently so good all this water pouring out of this hole in her oh stomach and then I mean it's just, it's a simple effect but it's great of just her turning and you're seeing straight through her yeah at Meryl and Bruce not such a simple effect in 1992 no true but um I mean with green screen it's like you know you're yeah, yeah. but uh I mean long story short it's like we kind of Meryl and Goldie Hawn kind of like eventually are like well we're kind of on the same side it's like we're trying to kill each other and then they're like well we there's no point we can't even feel pain let alone yeah. die what we really need is just bruce willis to keep us looking great forever because he's such a brilliant plastic surgeon not just plastic surgeon but mortician he knows how to work on dead That's tissue true. he's oh man that one woman that comes oh. up to him at the bar and is like oh you i just wanted to thank you like you you did such good work on my grandmother it's like she she, she looked so good we didn't want to bury her and he's like oh, what's thank your you. secret uh, uh, spray paint you know I learned makeup it doesn't want to stick to the dead it's flesh it's so but you... great they like do a great shot where then she's like they move the camera and kind of swing in on him so we don't see her and he's just kind of like answering the question so like a technician about it. and then it swings back to her and she's horrified and I, it's so nice because it feels like a character beat where we're learning about how far he's fallen but it is a plot point we will come to yeah. realize later because yeah. the, him being able to apply paint to dead tissue becomes very important to them 
And so they what they want is to have Bruce take this potion as well so that way he can live forever. And like, is, doesn't that sound like a great existence to live forever having to spray paint these two like nightmare women's asses for eternity? And surprisingly, he doesn't want to do that. Um, so he manages to get away. And he- at, at a giant party at Isabella Rosalini's, yeah. Rosalini's house, which Where is we also- see Elvis and James Dean. Yeah, and- all these people. Yeah. But what? One of the best parts of this is the reveal that like these hot like Fabio shirtless guys they've been wondering. Well, around. one of them is Fabio. One of them is Fabio. He's credited as I could not spot him, but he's credited as one of Liesel's. Sec- I like, literally uh, have them written guards. down as Fab. What yeah. do I have? Fabio boys. Fabio boys. But they're named Tom, Dick, and Harry. It was Tom, <laughs> Dick, Harry. Well, and he's not listed so as funny. Tom, Dick, or Harry, so I think he might be in the in the background of the party or something. Because wow, I could that's not clock. So I was just looking for that hair, that yes, straight, straight, long too-ish. hair. We cut to uh, you know years and years, decades later, and he is at that, it's Ernest's funeral. He's had a long, happy life. He but got they married. don't he know that much about him before kids. he was fifty, and I'm like, uh, this is made by people. In the early 90s, who can't really conceive of the internet being what it is. So even someone who didn't have a lot of info about him, you're still knowing this he person was married. He should have changed his name, too. He should have changed his name, because otherwise you're like, this is someone you know was married to a major movie star that's easy to find records and stuff about. Like, that's very easy. That's very true. It's but, very you know, true. it was 92, and they didn't know what we would know such a few short years later. <laughs> it's true. Where no one's personal business is a secret to Sorry. anybody. Uh, but he's he's lived this long, great life. He had all these kids, all these grandkids, and in the background, there's Marilyn Goldie heckling. Oh man! As we see, like their their faces are just falling completely it's apart. Such good makeup. It's so good. And then they Goldie's gonna mirroring Meryl earlier. Goldie's like doing gonna fall down the stairs, and it's such a funny effect. It's the heel getting caught on the stair above it. But it's dangling like at a diagonal, like a perfect diagonal. That it's like impossible that you would be like this for this long. And Meryl is just like, "Uh, should I? Mm." (laughs) No. And then Goldie sees like, oh, you're not going to help me? Screw you. Grabs her. They go tumbling down the stairs and shatter into a hundred pieces. so good. And we end on just their heads upside down. This Goldie's being like, do you remember where we parked the car? And that's it. That's the ending of your movie. And you, it's so good. What a great dark punchline. Yes. Uh, so we've been chatting about this movie for a while, but uh, initial, any initial thoughts, any from watching it this go around, anything specific that jumped out at you? Let me see if there's anything here that I have. Uh... Oh, this just made me think. So there was, um, I went and I studied with Larry Moss a fair bit. And I went and took one of his workshops in LA where there are of course more like film and TV type people. And there was this older actress doing this one scene who was stunning, had clearly had a lot of plastic surgery done, gorgeous. And Larry was talking to her about like some of some of the stuff like wasn't working in her performance. And he was saying part of it's like you're putting up like this barrier between yourself and the work, you know, and it has to do with, I would imagine, like you're basically like her anxieties and her pain about aging. And he said, because I didn't know who this person was. I've since looked her up and know, like, I would be, I would be able to find you photos of this person. Who's very, she was, like, very famous from soap operas and stuff in the 70s. Huh. But, like, he said, you're a beautiful woman. But when you were younger, people would fall down. And, like, the pain of losing your power and your currency in that mm. way is very real. And I think they do such a good job of taking something that's a legitimate fear that not just actors have to worry about, but obviously when it is literally part of how you earn your money is how you 
are perceived yeah. like that this panic around it is also an easy enough thing to lampoon but a, a real thing to like to it's a real fear really yeah. root this in something deep and real so i like how with our two characters that it's the opposite ends that meryl is someone who is this glamorous star who then mm-hmm. is feeling the like i'm losing what i've had my whole life and goldie i mean it's goldie hahn but they're doing their best to make her dowdy in those that yeah. first scene where they slap the unfortunate fat suit on but to be, as if to be like someone who has never had that and suddenly this and is now like, does and doesn't want to lose what they finally now have this after power. all of their life yeah but it's nice that you have that it's not just so so it could be totally and some of the reviews i think like ebert and siskel and ebert kind of gave it thumbs down or maybe it was ebert and roper at that point but just not really like this praising the special effects in the comedy but like we couldn't i didn't care about anyone everyone was just so nasty which I get, but it's like it is there under the surface. Yeah, and I think that's also part of the fun. I think that's part of oh, what I agree. it's satirical. Yeah. So therefore, it doesn't have to be. It's rooted in reality, but it doesn't have to be real in tone. And we don't have to like care about anybody to care about what happens. Yeah. My main thought watching it this time, because then looking back up, I was like, this film is PG thirteen. I would have lost hard money assuming this film was R, just with all of the like i don't know it's like i guess you're not really seeing blood but it feels like there's just like body horror with what's yeah, happening but to them no, there's no real blood and it's there's it certainly no like sex which as we know is like the, the thing most americans are gonna do gads a boob yeah exactly <laughs> put that on a t-shirt unless you're gads a boob in titanic and then ha- only when forbid. she's being painted like one of the french girls so. only being painted like only french being girl. painted the casting director of death becomes her was karen ray ray has also cast such projects as stripes far and away sleeping with the enemy tales from the crypt and previous episode ghostbusters I wanted to mention Tales from the Crypt because the film has often been said to be like an extended episode of Tales from the Crypt. It was originally considered to be a Tales from the Crypt film. Oh. And Robert Zemeckis produced Tales from the Crypt. That's so funny. It does feel like now that you're saying that, like, there's a version of this that you could do in Are You Afraid of the Dark? About, oh, yeah. You know? I mean, there's the, there is the, you know, 52 minute version of this that would be a Tales from the Crypt episode. Mm-hmm, I forget if they mm-hmm. were half hour or an hour long, but where you have this little skeleton crypt keeper of just like, well, now we'll see that beauty doesn't even doesn't go skin deep. <laughs> uh, but let's move on to some of the actors who were almost cast. Some of these people may have auditioned. Some may have just been discussed by casting. This is all subjective. And as always, I've looked up all the actors in advance. And Amy Joe is hearing it along with you, listener, for the very first time. And I got to tell you, I'm so excited to hear these. Oh, that's great. Um, How do we want to do this first? Because we just have... We're looking at Ernest and Helen, but we do want to, we got to talk about Madeline yeah. as well. Do we want to do Ernest Let's first? Let's do Ernest first because I think and we'll do a lot of And then do Helen parent. and we yeah. can just kind of chat because it's kind of hard not to. It's like Thelma and Louise. Yeah, exactly. No man this is would be an like, island. This would be know? like if Thelma was always going to be, I forget which one was Thelma and which one was Louise. Um, but if, if, that's a, as if Susan Sarandon was always cast and Gina Davis had all these people up for it. It's like you kind of, you want to also discuss pair. them as a pair. Yeah, exactly. Totes. So let's start with Ernest Menville. Amy, Joe, your thoughts on Bruce Willis and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? Okay. This is not who I would ever have selected for this role. And watching it, he, I think, conducts himself admirably, but it's very much out of his stylistic comfort zone. 
I think he overall delivers really effectively, but I do think in other hands it might be not might. It would be a lighter, defter comedic performance. However, yeah. like he's very funny in certain parts that I wrote down. My favorite line of his is the morgue should be furious because it's such (laughs) a perfect line reading. It's a great, great line reading. He does. He I mean, it helps that it's a very funny script as well. But I do think that he has like some really good line readings. He absolutely does. Look, he's not he's not just being helped by the editing or the script like he is delivering to a certain extent. It grew on me more this time. watching it. I totally did not care for it the first time. The first time I saw it, it just felt like so out of left. What a completely out of left field choice to get Bruce Willis outside of the fact that it's like he's a big star and it is like even if they ultimately are fighting over him for his abilities as a plastic surgeon and they make him look not they intentionally make him look schlubby but he still is Bruce Willis so it is still that I feel like you're as an audience you're still like well of course these two women are going to fight over Bruce Willis even if he is has this unfortunate mustache I've never found Bruce Willis attractive ever well women in the 90s found him attractive i guess they did in the 90s and the 80s he had all that all that moonlighting cred people he was so charming on that moonlighting i suppose but anyway the point is i like it better than i used to as a performance i still think there are much better tonal matches oh yeah my first one being kevin klein oh 100 percent. because that is a man who knows how to play it in this kind of style that to me is elevating this film to the next yes. level because you've got Marilyn and goldie hahn doing like fantastic work and not that bruce wills i think bruce wills is 100 percent committed yes he i think he's doing very doing solid work i think he's doing fantastic work for bruce willis absolutely but getting someone that also plays in this world like Kevin Klein. I'm thinking of Kevin Klein and Soap Dish. And yeah. it's the exact right tone. Anderson. Anderson. <laughs> the sort of put upon and just understanding at what comedic pitch to operate. I feel like because Bruce Willis is like because he doesn't live in this world. The thing that I would get with Kevin Klein is that underlying rage. Yeah. Un- but so buried underneath all of this. Yeah. Whereas with Bruce, it's like I can't have any glimmer of that because I'm like this action guy and yes. this angry action guy. So he's guy. just playing so schlub. To, not even schlub, but is like so like at the mercy of these women. Yes. Which does – I mean the character is also like – that is the character. But I could see Kevin Klein having that underlying simmering. Yeah. It's like, you know what it reminds me of uh, having this conversation about it now is seeing, uh, not to like call her out because she was perfectly fine, but like Lauren Ambrose as Eliza Doolittle in My Fair Lady on Broadway, she is someone who has sung a lot in the past, but not a lot recently. So when I went and saw it in the scenes, I thought she was very strong. And in the singing, the singing was good enough but she was not acting as well when she was singing because I could tell she was thinking about the mechanics of singing in a way that she didn't have to when that wasn't a barrier. Mm. Whereas like someone who's used to singing and acting at the same time, it's like, whatever, I know how to, this is, I'm very comfortable doing this. And I feel like he's someone who's not used to working in a heightened campy kind of style. So while he like did a, a very serviceable to good job, he's having to think more about things. So he's not able to give the kind of layered nuance within a performance like this, that someone like Kevin Klein, who is like, I eat this for breakfast right. could do without even trying, you totally. know? So Kevin Klein was my first choice. I also thought Bill Pullman oh, would be sure. very fun in this. He yeah. does that put upon, but also thinking of him in the last seduction. He also has that underbelly of rage. Sure does. He's, he's fantastic. I love that. Um, a more contemporary take. I thought maybe Bill Hader 
would play Ooh, all the aspects of this really yeah. nicely. Oh, your I'm smile. In that. Um, and then I also thought Nick Offerman would be very funny. Ooh, I love it. And then I have a few pairings that I want to say as like trios. So I'll Great. save, I love think it. I have two of those. Love so that. three of those. So I'll save those for, for later. But Brilliant. those are my ones just being like, who would be great in this? And those Great. were all my thoughts. I love it. I mean, here, I, I'll just throw this one out top. I know we've been recommending him a lot lately after doing Shawshank, but I think Tim Robbins, like this is like, that's true. Is number one with a bullet for me. Uh, although Kevin Klein, of course, but Tim Robbins, I think it's, he is that just gangly every man that I just, I would be, I'm very tickled just thinking about him in every aspect of this performance. You know what that also makes me think of is like how intentionally on the nose they are with the names you have yeah. a mad hell, hell as their names. And then his name is earnest. Yeah. You know, so if he's someone who starts, so and uh, starts and ends, even though we don't see it, you know, but we see it at the funeral as an earnest, straightforward guy. You get that very much for free with Tim Robbins. Yeah. I could see the Tom Hanks version of this. Oh, yeah, yeah. That I'd be interested in. I mean, just thinking of, uh, you know, League of Their Own. Mm, or just like, oh, he's fun when he, him is a drunk. Him is like kind of, I, I would enjoy. This is also someone, who, a very against type. But it was specifically in the opening songbird scene of him like, oh, wow. Could you, could you see that? Oh, man. Just mm-hmm. applauding. For whatever reason, sounded and looked exactly to me. <laughs> Like in Fantastic Mr. Fox, when the the cousin Wally or whoever's staying with them does a perfect dive and George Clooney's Mr. Fox is just like whistling and hooting and going, oh, man, did you see that? Wow. So my point is, I think George Clooney, not necessarily as a fox. No, but George Clooney's very funny. <laughs> not necessarily as a fox. I'm glad you finally caught that. Uh, but George Clooney, yes, but still him, but him doing this like put upon like kind of schlubby type role isn't usually in No, but it's not usually what they do with Bruce Willis either. Right. So like it's a, a yeah. It, yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Is uh, he'd still he'd be cast against type, but I think George Clooney would have been very funny in this a type lighter of role at a certain comedic point. touch than Bruce Willis does. Oh, I and agree. And therefore I totally agree that I think that that would it'd be doing a similar thing they're doing with Bruce Willis but with someone who just like swims in comedic waters. Right. And made more recently, I mean what we recommend them all the time, but we'll, I mean William Jackson Harper. I've thought and, of them too. I think what I like even more is Keegan-Michael Key. Keegan-Michael <gasps> Key, it is that like hysterical, like yes. I am being put into situations I am in no way I can able see him in handle. the suspenders hanging from the rooftop, like running from these yeah, women. I would really want. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And because I mentioned both of them, I recommend them, both of them so often. I want to recommend also um, this actor, Malcolm Barrett, uh, who was on the show Timeless more recently, for those who watched that. I knew him and love him, loved him on uh, the short-lived show Better Off Ted. He was one of the oh, R&D scientists. he's delightful. Uh, and he's on The Boys now. For those who watch The Boys, he's on a We've a been talking about episodes. The Boys for a show we have never seen. Well, this, talking this about third it season, I think, just started. So the people that do watch The Boys, they're boys crazy right now. Uh, <laughs> and he plays the character Seth. Um, but speaking of The Boys, I could also see uh, Jack Quaid, who plays Huey on that, I believe. He's just got the energy I want. That kind of like, oh, yep, you're kind of getting dragged around and... I don't know who that is, but I believe you. He is, I believe, Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan's son. I figured he was a relation. He is in the movie Plus One that I recommended back on our Titanic episode, which I'm recommending again to check out the rom-com Plus One with Jack Quaid and Maya Erskine. That's not the one with Jason Mansukis in it. That's sleeping with other people. 
That is sleeping with other people. Okay. Yes. I saw an indie rom-com once. <laughs> yeah, with, with Zooks in like fifth build in uh, Sleeping With Other People. But yes, sleeping, other, sleeping With Other People, also worth checking out. Yeah, Adam Scott, great villainous turn. Jason Sudeikis and Alison Brie, very Delightful. charming couple. Yeah, they're great. They're great. Anyway, that's why I had in terms of who I'm recommending. Um, and yeah, like the first time that I saw this, I thought of Bruce Willis as being miscast. And now I'm more comfortable just with it being that he's cast against type. Mm-hmm. And there are times when it still doesn't really work for me. But this, t- it, it, as I said, it's really, it really more grew on me. lands the more I watch it. Yeah. Bruce Willis, because I guess I guess the film was untitled for a while. So he suggested two ideas for the title of the film, which was My Man Death. <laughs> and, which I kind of wish it was this, It's Death, baby. <laughs> Well, My Man Death is obviously a My Man Godfrey, my man Godfrey reference. Sure, of course. If they're playing with all these old Hollywood things, which they are. Sure. The score, right. Trey Trey Bernard Herman. I wrote down all the I wrote down all the Hitchcock references. Let me see. Let me do find. Okay. We have dial in for murder in the like being strangled over the desk and like the hand. Boom. Rear window, because One. it's what is it? Dark window? Dark window. Yes, yeah. that's clearly a rear window. Or reference. windows. Two. Um Vertigo. There's there's a couple of different shots that are very vertigo but certainly going over the rooftops at the end um and the hanging off is is very much like jimmy stewart at the very beginning of vertigo you know why the guy gets vertigo three um there's also a little of to catch a thief in there because that also has a rooftop sequence at the end a little bit four and the score is very bernard herman 4.5 so i'm sure there's more that i missed listener let me know what i missed but (laughs) those are the ones that i was like ah yes love it uh so as for the actors who were considered originally cast but dropped out carrie grant ding ding to you (gasps) kevin klein oh no he fell out over a pay dispute i'm like the guy's got an oscar but i do get that bruce willis is a bigger draw in 1982 bruce willis is a bigger draw than kevin klein But you know they probably ended up paying him more probably they would have paid kevin klein so i would just pay the actor you originally hired the money he wanted i completely agree this People. is i would really I, I would give maybe 25 dollars to see a version of this film with kevin Klein in it and that is a steep ticket price. maybe for i pay 40 bucks i'd pay 40 bucks if there was some alternate version of this movie with kevin Klein in it oh i would pay a hundred dollars to stream it one time so you hear you hear that listener we're gonna pay 140 dollars between us we're pooling all of our money together <laughs> for a non-existent version that Oh, that makes me so mad. Okay, well, maybe a funnier die like <gasps> sequel with Kevin Klein Kevin! As, as some new character to like get wrapped oh, up in with Meryl and Goldie Hawn. Can you imagine? Or if there's a sequel and they just then they had Kevin Klein for the sequel. Yes. I mean, it's hard. To, I mean, whatever. It's whatever. You could do whatever. You're slapping Goldie Hawn and Meryl's heads on back or whatever. They there's a genie that lets them have their bodies back or something. Or they, you know, well yeah, I mean they can't, they're 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 mannequins. They're tottering around. Yeah, you can find a way. It's the movies, baby. Hey, it's death, baby. Yeah, and you know what? Death it uh finds a way. It uh uh finds a way. Uh instead, in 1992, Kevin Klein was playing a very small role in that Chaplin biopic as Douglas Fairbanks. Oh, Dougie, Dougie. This movie I had never heard of called Consenting Adults, this like sexy thriller. I've heard of it and I've definitely never seen it. it. Him and Kevin Spacey decide to swap wives, Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio and Rebecca Miller for a night, but then Rebecca Miller winds up dead and Kevin Klein is blamed for it. So this is like the ice storm, but, but with, with murder. murder. It's, with murder. It's, it's the ice storm with murder. 
And that sound means it's time to play a quick round of Two Truths and Some Guy. The way it works, two of the following actors were up for the role of Ernest One Ways Nat and Amy Joyce to guess which is which. Your options are Jeff Bridges, Nick Nolte, and Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, no. <laughs> strong nose across the board. Nose, nose across nose, the board. Nose, nose, nose across the board. Everything's coming up. Noses. Noses. Um, okay. God, Nick Nolte. Tommy Lee Jones. And who was the first? Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Wow. <laughs> I can't, at this point, I'm not even trying to guess for what you're trying to trick me up with. Because they're all excellently well, I, well curated I by don't you. know why you assume I'm trying to trip you up here. Well, that's literally your job every week. You do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> got me there. Got me there, Jackson. Hey, it's death, I'm gonna baby. S- it's death, yeah. baby. I'm going to say, wow. I, Tommy Lee Jones. Ding, ding, ding. That is correct. <laughs> as far, oh, wow. As far as I could tell, that Tommy Lee Jones. the audio there? <laughs> You might have peaked a few times throughout this episode. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> I think when you were singing earlier. So, oh, no, when, when you were doing the uh, Alexandra DeLago. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, she's, she's classically trained. She is. And, and you know what they say? When, once you're classically trained, you, you can can't be classically, classically untrained. untrained. So, Stars in retirement <laughs> sometimes give acting lessons or take up painting. <laughs> real lines, real lines from Sweet Bird of Youth. Um, Sorry. Jeff Bridges auditioned but was turned down. Good. Yeah, I love Jeff Bridges. I mean, like, I can he's he's funnier in many ways than yeah. Bruce Willis, but I do think Bruce Willis is better t- suited to this film. Jeff, I'm I'm having a hard time picturing Jeff. Like Bruce Willis does find a really nice pinched, buttoned yes. up quality. Yes, and I. I'm so used to Jeff Bridges of the looseness and like the Correct. ease, which is like me as a an uptight clown. That's like when I go in for things that I'm like, I don't do this sort of like, hey, man, like I can't I, to me, it feels so false on me and other people can do it and are so funny. Yeah. And that is like, you know, at a certain point, you have to embrace what kind of clown you are and hit it hard in that direction. And I totally agree that it's not the right kind of clown. Another kind of clown. Instead, in 1992, he was doing another movie I'd never heard of called American Heart, which is he's he plays an ex-convict who's tracked down by his estranged teenage son, Edward Furlong. And the pair try to build a relationship and life together in Seattle. It seems like a pretty, pretty basic little family drama Mm -hmm. of like whatever. Um, But this is the poster for American Heart. As far as I know. Though I've not done any research, so I'm just basing this off nothing, is that this is not photoshopped at all. But this is the picture of Jeff Bridges on this poster. So, listener, I'm going to suggest you also check out the poster okay. to American Heart. Look at the Heart poster and we'll all look at it together in one, two, two three. three. <laughs> this, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this? I this didn't looks, know. This looks like, okay, let me tell you what I think it looks like to me. Okay. It looks like it's from the early nineties. This yeah. is this is an uh, album see, to me, it cover. looks like the seventies to me. Maybe, but it, it looks like an early nineties album cover yeah. for like this something that would have like the censored explicit like notion uh, like like not notion little logo on it, and it's like something you would like go into Barnes and Noble and like look at and be like oh 
I could never buy this CD of music I certainly it's don't want to listen to. It's too sexy. It's sexy, and it's also like he's got this long hair. This super long hair. This, this to like, me is, he is giving me jacked. ripped. Yes, it's giving me like Kurt Cobain, but like who eats well and works out, you know? I am getting, for those who are not theater inclined, but at least know films and trailers, I'm getting Tom Cruise's character of Stacy Jacks from Rock of Ages. Okay, I was getting more Billy Crudup and Almost Famous. But also Billy Crudup and Almost Famous. Which is 70s, right? Well, you've got 60s, the 70s. stash. It's the stash, but it's also this hair. It's this cascade, which, look, great job on the hair. This great is job on the abs, great, Well, yes, great job on the abs. This, this is abs in a time before we decided we needed abs like this all I the know. time. This is a Brad Pitt physique. I'm sure there's also some lighting at play here for this poster. I'm sure in the film, he's not necessarily looking this much like a weird hippie Captain America. But he looks like he's about to, he's got his hands in his pockets and his head's kind of like an angle, like he's thinking. And it's like, he's going to look up and go like, Charlene, I'm sorry that I left you waiting by the phone so long. Like it's going to either be that or it's going to be some like, you know, emo rock. Anyway. I love it. I hardly recommend looking at this. Yeah, listener, poster. I'd be shocked if you've not already looked this up based off our reaction to it. But now that you have, like, I okay, I'm looking at it again, and I'm really just like Charlie. He's, he's got the like the Brad Pitt in Fight Club yes. hip bones. Like, yes, I'm blown away by what I'm looking at here. Yeah, yeah. We might need it's to strong. I, we might need to get a print of this to frame and hang up somewhere. I'm Wait. honestly. Just to hang. Stunned by it. I, it's a thing that I kind of want to see every day. I'll be like, mm, I don't know if that's aspirational or just uh, just a thing of beauty to look at, but it is quite pretty. Oh, yeah. This isn't like motivation for me to get in Bridges shape. This is just to be like, good God, look at that man. Hey, it's Bridges, baby. <laughs> it's a ton of Bridges. That's a Bridgerton. Oh, that's a bridge I'd like to cross. <laughs> And I mean, as much as we're making fun of Jeff Bridges, not making fun of, but like the idea no, of Jeff Bridges. No, he did a lot no, no, of no. work for Sorry, that I, I mean the idea of Jeff Bridges being in this. Ah, uh, yes. Nick Nolte was also considered. Yeah, no, and that I cannot abide. 1992, he was doing Lorenzo's Oil. Yeah, and he should Which have makes been. a lot more sense because yeah. I... I don't know nothing about him, Lorenzo's oil, and I can tell you it's a better fit. Him just like teary at the bottom of the stairs of the phone. It's like, ah, god damn it, Helen, I did it. I, I killed her. I pushed her down the stairs. Oh, I'm a miserable drunk. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't see it. I can't see the stress and the worry in the way I, that it, it needs to operate. Oh, my God. Of all the Broadway musicals I've ever seen, Madeline, that was a great... Yeah, I'm I don't a, see it. You him. know I'm a Broadway musical fan. I'm I a Madeline a, Ashton fan. <laughs> uh, you know what? I love that. I, I love, on the 20th century with that Madeline Kahn <laughs> was the best thing I've seen since that. Wow, and you got on me for my obscure references just a few episodes ago, and now you're doing an on the 20th hey, century Hey, these are reference. Nick Nolte's obscure Broadway oh, references. my apologies. This is to show that he's that big of a Broadway I buff. I get it, okay. I was even there in one of the two performances of Moose Murders, God damn it! Can I tell you a quick sidebar about on the 20th century? When it was last playing on Broadway, I didn't see it, but I was like at the theater early to see another show. It was like raining outside. So I got there. Normally I like to get there right as we're about to start because I don't need to sit in those chairs any longer than necessary, but it was raining. So I was like, whatever, I'll get in, I'll get to my seat. And I'm sitting next to these two older women who are on the aisle. And so I hear them talking and going through their, their playbills and everything. And they get to, you know, in the back, they have the ads for everything that's playing. 
and they're, they're seeing on the 20, they're, ta- they're looking at the ad for on the 20th century. One was like, oh, I've, I, I already saw it. I was like, oh, wow, it's only been open like a month. Good on her. And then she goes, I saw it in its original incarnation, which was the 70s. I'm sorry, I'm sitting there going like, <laughs> like, just like trying not to show that I'm listening. And then she goes, that Christine Chenoweth, though, she's pretty Christine. good. Christine Chenoweth. <laughs> like, okay, I'm obsessed with this. Oh, I, I, love I it. can't abide it, but I'm obsessed this with it. This is the like, this is a, it feels like a sketch yes. that you are seeing live. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. But let's move on to Helen Sharp. Amy Joe, your thoughts on Goldie Hawn and who would you cast if you had to cast someone else? And of course, we got to be talking about, but let's just be talking about Meryl as well. So okay. really, it's even Sounds though, good. as far as I could tell, no one else was up for the role of Madeline Ashton. It's just Meryl. Meryl Muriel Street, but we gotta we gotta talk about it together because it's also fun to kind of pair. I don't I don't have too many pairings, but I'm sure you do. Oh, I've and got I've a got, couple. I've got one or two. I'm talking about obscure. I've got one real obscure one, folks. But well, we'll see how let's obscure get into it, is. it. So kick us off, Amy All Joe. Right. So Helen. I mean, they're both great. They're both so great. They both play so well opposite one another. And I think Goldie Hawn does a brilliant job. One of the most sensationally beautiful people yeah and to the way that not just that they like dress her down but the way that like her facial expressions and everything like everything's very pulled down this like long brown mop of hair they have on her to start like everything's just she's but she's doing so much to manufacture the sort of like I'm in someone's shadow because like there's plenty of people who are extremely attractive in the world who like that's just not how they carry themselves, you know? And I think that she just does such a great job of like not being the movie star she is, you know, and arguably, I mean, this is where we get into like some nonsense, but like arguably Meryl is less quote unquote, traditionally attractive than Goldie Hawn. Yeah. So like, there's something really fun too about having her be the glamazon and Goldie Hawn who, you know, was in so many like sexy comedies and everything right, and right. just being like a sensational looking person and like started on TV and everything to have her be like the dour one, there's something really fun about that too. So th- then it is like a lovely contrast when suddenly, you know, she turns around and she's Goldie Hawn, you know, but yeah. I also just think she's so funny. The two of them <laughs> are dynamite together. They are so good together. Well, this is, we discussed on Thelma and Louise that they were both up for Thelma and Louise because they were purposely trying to find a project mm. to do together. And that's what this wound up being. Which I'm glad that it wound up the way it did. Agreed. Because like it they worked bo- out for the best. All four of those all actresses around. are so phenomenal. All very funny. All very skilled in a number of different ways. But I do feel like all of their particular skill sets led them to the appropriate project. Yeah. So for Helen specifically, my first thought, and this is obviously a more contemporary thought, was Maya Rudolph. Ooh. As someone who yeah. was like, I totally buy this like okay, well, I'm just kind of awkward and I, I don't want to put myself out and then transforming into kind of a, you know, a character, you yeah. know, I could really see that. Um, I also saw this is more of a 80s, 90s kind of thing, but like a Diane Weist situation. Oh. Just thinking of her in Hannah and her sisters versus her in Bullets Over Broadway, hmm. like someone who can play that turn. And yeah. it's, you know, oh, I saw this great video interview with Mary Testa earlier today, like legendary Broadway actress, Mary Testa. And she talks about how like, you know, most of the time I get asked to do like just a tiny bit of what I can do. And then like, it's like, well, like, and she holds up her fingers to be like an inch. She's like, I get asked to do this much. 
Like, I really do this much. And then she holds up both arms, like, at, at full length. And I was like, I identify Mary. But, like, it's also like, yeah, you you see someone like Diane Weist and it's like, you can do all of these incredibly different things with great depth and ease and skill. So I think of her. And then I also thought, I mean, depending, all of this is depending upon who the uh, Madeline is, but like a Kristen wig also, as we know from oh, like Ghostbusters, okay. the way that she's like got all the high necked, you know, froofy yeah. like sweaters and everything. Like, I mean, knowing also with how well she sings, I could put Kristen as the Helen and Maya Rudolph as the Madeline. Absolutely. This is a real SNL present. Like if you're putting the two of them together. Absolutely. For Madeline, just because we're going to talk about them both, because I have a few that are, are pairings, like I said, all together. Yeah. So for people that are more like individual, for Madeline, like I just keep recommending her all the time, but Rachel Weiss is that good. So I was like, oh, I'd love to see, yeah. I you love know, that. Uh, Rachel Weiss. Um, Jean Smart. Who is having a renaissance, yeah. but thinking like, oh yeah, this is oh, yeah. just thinking, especially of that PBS man who came to dinner from the Broadway version that yep. like we watched all the time, uh, like my brother and I, with particularly, Nathan like, Lane with and Jean Lane, Harriet Harris. We, I mean, when so right. when I spoilers, a- but when I I did a project recently of my brother's where Nathan was in it, we were just asking him questions about man who came to dinner. <laughs> we're like t- the whole thing was just like Aaron just being like Nathan about this and he talked about you know filming it with the penguin and all so I was about to say, what was it like working with a real penguin well, listener this... there was a real penguin on the broadway stage now do you want the story that he told us about of this course penguin? I want okay the story about so the like penguin. if you watch the pbs version there's yes. a penguin that comes mm-hmm. on stage you're like wow they had a penguin is on it broadway not, it not only in the pbs version only <gasps> for the filming my life is a lie <laughs> <laughs> but it still happened, but it was just only for those nights. He's like, there's a guy handling a penguin backstage. And then like, so apparently it was just for those wow. shows that were going to be filmed that there was a live penguin on stage. I think maybe it's referenced, but yeah. you don't actually see it. Right, but I was like, right. that makes a lot more sense that roundabout it theater does. company yeah. is not paying for a not literal for a penguin. penguin. You could have had like a little penguin puppet. You could have had you. You honestly could have had a little puppet like poke its head out from behind Hello. from the door, and that's like because that's the end of Act One. You want I know. you need a something big to end but your Act so One, good. and a live penguin. Let me tell you, listener, few other Broadway shows can match an Act One ending like a live penguin waddling out and then looking around as if to be like, "What's everyone looking at me for?" <laughs> well, I'm just a penguin. I. But I, like Nathan, like talking Netflix about being and, like oh. baffled by this penguin. I'm like, there's some. Penguin, <laughs> as, as if he wasn't told that they were adding clearly the live he wasn't, penguin clearly to the Clearly, it was rehearsed, but I think it's different. He's yeah. then been on stage the entirety of Act One, sure. and then this penguin comes waddling out, and the audience oh is like, god. "Oh, penguin!" Oh my god! Anyway, um, that is incredible. Yeah, yeah. I I loved knowing that because Aaron and I watched that ad nauseum through all our childhood, and Nathan Lane is like regaling us with tales about this penguin. <laughs> um. <laughs> Great. I think I'm going to, I can leave it there. Or I can, I can go through my triple pairings if we want at this point. Yeah, no, give me them triple okay. pairings. Or actually, you know what? Let, let me do some of mine. You do some of yours. And then and give then me some I'll of the triple do, pairings because yeah, yeah. we can kind of uh, build back off each Back and forth, other. back and forth. Yeah, yeah. So my, my picks are kind of all over the place and some, I'm not sure if I'd rather have them as Helen or Madeline. Mm. I guess she's more the Helen. I could see the Julie, for whatever reason, the Julia Louis-Dreyfus version. Like someone who I've loved so much yes. in so many different yes. TV series. So funny has never really gotten too big of a shot at the films. The, there's a few, but like none of them like that big. And I think... And none of them worthy of her talents no, and skill level. Absolutely not. Um, I, I've heard good things about Enough Said, which was her and this kind of like 
romantic comedy-ish with her and James Gandolfini. It was supposed to be like very charming, mm-hmm. um, but I've not seen it, so I can't speak to it. But I would love that. I could see Kim Cattrall oh. in this. I'd be really into. Yes. Um, I'm once again not sure if I'd rather have her as the Helen or the Madeline, but I'm. I feel being, like she's a Madeline. I think so too. I think so too. If this is made more recent, I would be very interested in Regina Hall, who I think I would like mm-hmm. her in the Helen role. I would love the Viola. Da- I think Viola Davis, because that's the thing with Marilyn Goldie Hawn, Meryl more so, but like they do a lot of serious stuff too. They do dramas as well i guess goldie hawn is was is more primarily known for her comedies totally but it's nice that it's not just two comedians not just two people who are like known for comedy it's also because it's like that's why some of this meryl getting to have a good time let her hair down the bite really bites because they are people like you've got a meryl who has done Sophie's Choice, and she's doing Death Becomes Yes. Her. And it's that, it's joyful to You've see. You've got Viola, who's done Fences. Yes, exactly. Um, I could see, I mean, I'd love the Catherine O'Hara version of this. Oh. Once again, I don't, yes. I honestly don't know if I, it's, if I want I want Catherine Helen O'Hara in both roles, Both honestly. roles, a dual role, I love that. Yes, a dual Eugene duo. Levy as Ernest. Oh. <laughs> okay, wait. Now, maybe we have, maybe we have Catherine O'Hara as Meryl and like Parker Posey as <gasps> Helen. Oh. Or you could reverse those. Yeah. I feel like they're both very adept. You could, but I think if it, it <laughs> yeah, yeah. But thinking of Waiting for Guffman, yeah, I think it's Kath, it's Catherine O'Hara as Madeline. Yes. In the well, also thinking of your consideration and all that, you know. Well, sure, sure, but sure. yes. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I can see the Marissa, T- if you made this today, I, I the Marissa Tomei version. Yeah. And I think I want it as Helen. I think Marissa Tomei as Helen. Did you see? I forget. Did you see that Rose Tattoo? I did not see her oh, on Broadway in Rose Tattoo. she was unbelievably good. In like 2019, it was Rose Tattoo. And it's one of those things where you're like, this is someone who did stuff on stage, but is like mainly known for films. How is she going to handle this huge role on Broadway? And I was like, she is wiping the floor with <laughs> everyone. Uh, uh, and uh, give me the Megan Mullally version. Yes, but once again, on I think it's, it's her as Madeline, I think. Mm-hmm. I want her in the Broadway show version is Megan Mullally. That's when you said Nick Offerman is Ernest. I was like, yep. oh, with, with Megan as Madeline and her husband, they Nick love Offerman working together. as Ernest? Come on. Um, and, and get whoever you want as Helen at that point. You already you got want. me in the theater. Um, <laughs> made a, a, a few years before this film, I could see the Betty Davis and Joan Crawford what? version. Do I have that? <laughs> yes. Yes, in yes, fact, yes. I do because you know, especially why I have this. So that's one of my pairings with with my third, my then my with mine who, my trio with, my, with uh, I thought Fred McMurray, um, who was mainly. I mean, he was a, a big. Well, you're looking confused because you're a nerd I'm in a different him, way. No, than I'm mixing I am. him up with someone else. So Fred McMurray is to me iconic from Double Indemnity, which he plays opposite Barbara Stanwyck. Of course, but of he's course, also of in The Apartment. He's in all sorts of stuff, but he's. I wouldn't say largely forgotten today, but he's not Cary Grant. You know, he's he's right. a particular guy. But what he does so well in Double Indemnity is play both a leading man and a rube, which is Ernest. Right? It is yeah. someone who's yeah. like, I can be a someone that you can map affection onto, and also I'm easily duped. <laughs> Um, so, I, but what made me initially think, I mean, obviously you have like, you know, the feud of it all, but also because Meryl's makeup in that final scene when everything's falling apart oh. to me, looks Mommy very dearest. deliberately. No, oh. looks very deliberately like Betty Davis at the end of whatever, whatever happened, happened to baby, to baby Jane. Jane, of course, to me, that is course. meant to reference that. Yeah. yeah. I dig it. I dig it. I guess. Well, speaking of now I'm thinking of feud. 
uh, Jessica Lang, I I yeah. could see in this. I mean, thinking of her in Tootsie, she is funny in yeah. Tootsie, you know. Yeah, she would not, not. I don't usually get to see Jessica Lang being no, that level. No, she's so just like funny. a floaty, glamorous cloud of hair. And it's so funny that you mentioned Jean Smart. I also thought Jean Smart would be so good, but I definitely would want her as Madeline. Yes, and then. Harriet Harris uh, yes. as Helen. Both of them so good. Again, re- reuniting them from Man Who Came to Dinner. Yes, from The Man Who Came to Dinner, if you want, if, if this is on Broadway in the 90s, so it's the two of them, and then Nathan Lane is Ernest. I'm not mad about it. I'm not it. mad about it at but all. But also, because y- you have not seen Hacks. No, I've seen clips from Hacks. I've seen some clips. Gene Smart, so, so good on it. The show in general, so good, so fun. Listener, can't recommend it enough. And season, t- I love season one. Season two, even better. And it just got a season three renewal. Love it. I saw Can't wait. Meg, Meg Stalter posted. But there's one episode, slightly a spoiler, but there's an episode of season two where Jean Smart is performing at this like fair pretty much. And her old friend Harriet Harris <gasps> is in it as a former comic. Like they both came up and that Jean Smart's always kind of blamed herself for Harriet Harris no longer being in the comic game. And it's like... It, it, it feels like, oh, wow, you're, you know, you do kind of have all the power here. And Harriet Harris is just like, I'm just like a grandma. So I'm like coming here with my grandkids to the fair and we'll go see your stand up. But then Jean Smart's stand up is interrupted by uh, there's like video behind her of like, hold on, everyone. Bessie's given birth. There's a live birthing of this cow and people have like little tickets that you can like to bet on when this cow is going to give birth. And 90% of the people leave to go see the birthing of this cow. As Gene Smart's like making jokes about like, oh, I'm getting upstaged by a cow. And you're seeing Harriet Harris being like, no, no, no. I, I, that wasn't because of you that I got out of the game. Like I, I pretty, pretty much of like, you see, oh no, Harriet Harris is living her best life. And she ends it as like, you know, good, like good luck with everything to Gene Smart. Who's like pretty much supposed to be like at a comparable level of success as Joan Rivers, like in terms of yeah. thinking of like to good tell someone like that, you know, everything. good, good luck with everything. And you see like, Oh no, Gene smart. You done goofed my guy, but it's, it was, it's delicious, but it's Harriet the two Harris of them. feels sorry for you. Exactly. But Gene smart is so glam and so made up in the show. And Harriet Harris is just like, I'm just a sweet grandma now that I'm like, yes, have her as Helen. Cause you know, Harriet Harris can still turn it on. Turn on the juice. And that's what I would want from my Helens. And mm. I suppose from my Madeline's. Uh, so yes, please give us some more of your yes. trios now. Okay. I have two other trios. One, so one was the classic old Hollywood one. Love it. And then another, a particular actor occurred to me. And then I was like, Oh, actually what is the like, Spanish language version of this, not to Ooh. say telenovela, but that kind yeah. of like heightened super. Because mm-hmm. I thought, oh, you know who would be really fun is Sofia Vergara, like so funny, sure. so glamorous. Sure. And I was like, what if she's opposite Salma Hayek as Helen, and then Antonio Banderas is playing Ernest? I was like, I, I see it, and they do it all in Spanish. I was I like, see I'm it, into it, and I love it. But I am so sorry, Sofia. So sorry, you're so good at Modern Family. So sorry. But I'm replacing you with Penelope Cruz. Well, I did think I get of Penelope it. Cruz. I get it. But that's to me, I mean, because they've all worked I guess Penelope together Cruz in the past, so I know they like also have a, good chemistry together. A glamorous movie star, which is part of what you're getting with Meryl as someone who's literally a movie star. Like, you don't have to act that, you know. She's I think I want that. Sama in the Madeline role. And, and then Penelope, Penelope as, in the Well, Helen yes, you role. do swing that way. I feel like with Sofia Vergara, I get she has to yeah. be Madeline, you know. Yeah. 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 
I get, I get it. I'm get, I'm, but I'm, I'm I, I up obviously Penelope down. Cruz was like in the mix, you know. So I. But do either get way, that. this is absolutely like a Pedro Almodovar movie absolutely. that I am front and center for. Yes, I mean, I would that it. not be bizarre? And then my other, my other thought was as I was watching, I was like, oh, you know who would also be delightful as Helen is Terry Gar. And then I was like, wait a minute. Why not reunite all the young Frankenstein folks and oh. have Gene Wilder as Ernest and Madeline oh. Kahn as Madeline yeah. Ashton? Yeah, that's fantastic. I That was the one when we were oh, watching. I was good. like, oh, my gosh, I've come up with a trio. And if I come up with no other options, yeah. I feel good about this. Because that to me is like, yes, comic geniuses. Oh, yeah. This is made 20 years earlier, the 1972 yes. version. The, mm-hmm. uh, the Mel Brooks's Death Becomes Mel Her. Mel Brooks's Death Becomes Her. <laughs> I love everything about that. Thank you. So as for the actors who were considered for Helen, Meryl Streep. Well, that stands to reason. Assumed that this was the role that was meant for her because they just reached out to her saying they wanted her for the movie and she got the script and reading it, she she was like, oh, clearly this is the role. So that's what she like the went transformation. in. transformation. Right. But specifically it's because she was like, it's this, not the song and dance role of Madeline. Cause that's like, I haven't, I don't, I haven't done anything like that. That's not me, but it fits her so well. Listen her, when you rewatch Death Becomes Her, there's so many shots that you're like, and it's Devil Wears Prada just waiting in the wings that it's, she, it's like right there. And you know that it's, she's tapping into that aspect as she finally yes. when she finally did Deborah's Prada and it works so well it's so beautiful it's so fun oh yeah um but I'm like I can see the Merrill version as Helen I don't know who you have as Madeline then in the early 90s I mean you have to have I mean it's very different but like you have to have like a Kathleen Turner someone like yeah that. a Kathleen Turner I was gonna say because of your opening with this song and dance Bette Midler well, yes, very different. Very different. It's but, very different. She would, she would go on to do basically the same thing in Hocus Pocus. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got to eat this all of a child. I mean, uh, and Kathleen Jimmy as Helen. Uh, and uh, Jennifer Jason Lee was apparently a serious you have contender. To be me. I don't know what to tell Is you. Is there a single movie that we have not <laughs> heard? Someone in Hollywood was like, oh, we got to get for this. Jennifer Jason Lee. Like, yes. what? Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> gotcha there, Jackson. Does it count? Uh, Actually, she was considered to be Andy's wife. She was going to be in that one little scene at the beginning. Cameo. Making fun, out with a golf cameo. instructor. They were going to they were going to put the picture of the two of them on the back of the VHS case like they did with the whoever it was, yep, it was yep, wife. Wasn't Jennifer Try to Jason trick people Lee. into thinking it's there's also Ooh, a sexy look at the thrills. sexy Jennifer Jason Leigh thriller. Yeah, but no, Jennifer Jason Leigh was just considered for every single movie in Hollywood from a like a two-decade that's why, because she's someone who's done well for herself, but is not a superstar. You know what I mean? But it's so interesting that she was in the mix for literally everything. Well, it could be a mix of, you know, you take sometimes the wrong project. You know, you pick the, pick the project you think is going to hit and the other one winds up being like. Well, going back to our episode on Long Kiss Goodnight, where I was like, why didn't Craig Bierko hit? And then mm. later you found out that he turned down Chandler and Friends. Yeah. That's what I saw. I saw that he turned it, it could down. Be wrong. And maybe he had to turn it. Maybe he was like, oh True. no, you have to do reshoots on this film. Absolutely. You can't do that These pilot. And it's happen. like, but, but, but. But if I, I get that pilot, then I'm suddenly very, very famous. Um, but yeah, it's that kind of thing where like you can't possibly know. And you so can't you do, you make the best estimate you can. Possibly know. You do what you can. And said in 1992, she had a single white female. So I feel like there was something else that we just did recently. I think Madonna, it was, League of Their Own. League of Their Own, exactly. Yes. I don't think it was for Madonna. I think it was for Kit. 
or Dottie, maybe? Sounds like. She was for something. I don't think it was for All the Way May. But either way, Jennifer Jason Lee was p- too busy being a cuckoo crazy stalker so roommate. Cuckoo crazy stalker roommate. She's stalking so- that Bridget Fonda. So she was too busy doing that, so she could not do Death Becomes Sarah. But I'm also like, because like Meryl... I think it was early 40s. I think Goldie Hawn is like late, late 40s. 40s. Yeah. Neither of them were actually 50, but they were no. approaching it. I mean, they're looking. Because I mean, that's and the Isabella thing. Rossellini you, really was like late 30s. So when I she, think like, she was like, the, yeah, I think she was like a year either older or younger than when Meryl is like, what are you, 30? Like 37. And yeah. she gives her the, this look. She like sits up. Like, how dare you? I mean, that's the thing. Like, they're all, they all look so good. But yeah. that's like, you can, you can cast like someone younger and then you're kind of making them look 50 when they're supposed to not have the potion yet. Right. Or you, or you do whatever. I mean, it's also they're movie stars. They're glamorous, and they have hydrated ageless. their skin for years. Ageless, but Jennifer Jason Lee does seem a little young at this time to me. But yes, I concur. A little young, uh, but um, I could, I could see it. Yeah, I mean, I could it, you know, it. it's like when because I am a type that is like a, an Arcadna in the Seagull and uh, Princess Cosmonopolis and Alexandra Delago and Sweet Bird of Youth that. People have asked me to work on those in various like scene study classes. And I've been like, yes, but not yet, because it's like right. I do. I'm only now starting to like get that kind of like has been panic when for the longest I was like, but I can't wait to turn 40. I'll, maybe I'll work, you know. And so I was like, I have a different relationship to time and aging, but I'm now starting to understand it in a different way. But it's like you need someone who's of a certain age where that becomes a, a a real concern in a different way than it is when you're like, I'm almost 30 and what have I accomplished in life? That's a different concern than like, oh, people treat me differently than they used to. And mm. that, especially in Hollywood, is not good. You know, yeah. not, it, it, not that it's not good, but in Hollywood, it's like, this is a bad sign as to how much my paychecks are going to be. Yeah, I did just think I'm also throwing in, don't know, Maybe I guess for Madeline, but if you make it today, I want uh, Hannah Waddingham. Ugh, I did think Ted, of her. Las- Ted yes. Lasso is uh, is what I want. Yes, it's like I just want someone with that bite, someone that I'm like you. That it's delicious to see them like conniving and to see them yes. like, how am I gonna get mine when they are like soulless, when they are the worst, mm-hmm. and like I I could see her tapping into that. She's so good on Ted Lasso. Um, and a musical theater queen in the West End. True. Well, maybe for the West End version. But of no, but the what I'm saying is musical. she can do all of the songbird stuff because she's Absolutely. a song and dance queen. But I'm saying when you make it a full blown musical, which I think it's been in development for ages, the property. Yeah, we might discuss that at the end of this oh. episode. But those were all the characters I found other casting options for. There are a few characters we didn't mention. I want to briefly touch on them. Uh, we have Ian Ogilvy as Chagall, who's the doc- Meryl's doctor, who then His also winds Chagall. up. <laughs> he also winds up being like the I don't know what you'd call him for Liesel, like kind of. I don't know. He's, he's like kind he's of just addressing the party at the end. Yeah, he's like a front man kind of whatever guy. Uh, I, I wasn't really too familiar with this guy. He's um, a, a Brit, but he I did want to mention him just for you because he played five different characters on five different seasons of murder she wrote i recognize this man in appointment in athens Uh the sicilian encounter the monte carlo murders murder in white and murder of the month club so he's mainly doing the episodes where they're actually shooting in the uk 
makes sense. Which makes a lot of sense. We got this great cameo from Sidney Pollack as his hero. Uh, this scene is like, he's giving a comedic masterclass where yes. he is like, cause he's, it's Meryl's broken her neck and it's like he, Bruce, Will, he's cut, driving into the hospital. Like she's a death star. And when the, he comes in, it's like, okay, so what seems to be the problem? Oh, your wrist hurts. Okay. And it's like, this doesn't hurt when I do this. And he's no. like cranking her hand back. It doesn't hurt when I do this. No. It's like, let me look at that neck. And he sees like the bone sticking oh, out of the skin. It is distressing. And he immediately is like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the journey he takes in this one scene is so tremendous. And he's so funny. Like this is number one, how you appropriately work a cameo appearance. Yeah. Like give them something to do. And also, yeah, he's so excellent and so funny. That reveal Cause when Bruce, cause then like he leaves, cause he's like, you don't have a heartbeat. Like you're is shocked by what he is seeing. And Meryl faints and Bruce is like trying to find a doctor. He's like, where are all the doctors? And cause they're trying to revive Sidney Pollack. Cause Sidney Pollack has dropped dead. He's had a heart attack. Oh, it's great. It's so dark. It's so good. Mm-hmm. Tracy Allman filmed scenes <gasps> in the film as a bartender who Bruce Willis eventually runs off with at the end of the film. But the ending did not test well and was completely rewritten and reshot, removing all scenes to be that funeral with instead. Tracy exactly. So the picture of Bruce at his funeral as like an older man yeah. with like a mustache, that's from this ending. Like he had this full like old age makeup that they had scenes with him as this older man. Oh, wow. Where you're seeing them, him and Tracy Ullman. And you see Madeline and Helen like notice this elderly couple being affectionate. And as the couple gets into a car and drives away, they realize that it's Ernest and Tracy Ullman and chase after them only to be hit by an oncoming car and break into a hundred pieces, just like the actual film. And they roll down the stairs, which I get like apparently uh, Robert Zemeckis was trimming a lot because he was like, we just want to keep this moving. And it works great. It works really great among the guests at the party. We have the famous people. We have Andy Warhol, Marilyn Monroe, Greta Garbo, Elvis Presley, Jim Morrison, and James Dean, which is all very fun. Yeah. And they don't really, they're kind of blinking and you miss it for a lot of them. Elvis has like a line. Elvis has a line. James Dean is getting into the car. The idea <laughs> that a person who looks like James Dean could drive a car that looks like that in Los Angeles and not be clocked is ludicrous, but you know, it's fun. Marilyn, you, I, I saw, I missed Garbo this time, but. Yeah, uh, but originally there were other celebrities, some of whom were living at the time of production that were supposed to appear at the party. So I guess as themselves, as if to like imply that, oh, they've also like are now Joan Rivers type or immortal. something like that. Yeah, like a Joan Rivers type in that it was a uh, Dick Clark of some in terms of someone that yep. lived for like yep. he was on t- our TVs for Rock and New Year for years. decades. Uh, so it's supposed to be Dick Clark and George Harrison. Which I'm like, yeah, yeah. I would have dug that. Yeah. Uh, and of course, we've got Isabella Rosalina as Liesel. Very wow. limited screen time, but man, oh, she makes a lot of it. She packs a punch. I saw someone last Halloween. I went to a, um, I guess it was the Saturday of Halloween. Halloween, I think it was on a Sunday. But I went to a friend's uh, concert and a lot of people came in costume. And someone, as I was leaving, had come to the concert. I saw them. They had come dressed no. like this and it was a sarong and some jewels and that's it well it was cl- yes but it was clear in the bob you know like it was well, yes. very clearly it was a very well done isabella rossellini in this movie type thing and i was like oh <laughs> good job i mean this is all the outfits are iconic in this film like this film is 
costumed to perfection. This is this is one our our recent game that we've liked to play of like obscure couples costumes where it's like yeah oh we do <laughs> we were watching Jurassic Park the other day we're like oh the obscure couples costume for this is Alan, Alan Grant and Ellie in their first scene when Before Ellie Sadler is dressed like to- Weezer in steel magnolias and the full <laughs> Canadian tuxedo and the <laughs> floppy gardening hat and sunglasses yeah we're like this is the costume to do but for f- there's so many for death becomes baby that stink are all baby stink cheap 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 baby stink baby stink <laughs> They do not stink. They have a smell. Some of them do. Um, anyway, <laughs> I don't know why suddenly he was Rosie O'Donnell, but he was. Um, anyway, like there's so many costumes in this that are all iconic. Like this would be a hard one to pull any from and not be able to like, if you did yeah. it well enough not to know. Meryl's blue tracksuit, like hoodie. Uh, Perfect. It's all so good. Uh, but yeah, Isabella's great. She's great. She's, She's given a great energy in this. Um, so final thoughts, Amy Joe. Anything we haven't touched on? Any characters that jumped out at you? It really does wind up being mainly a feels like. I mean, you have Isabella Rosalini, but it's mainly these main mainly three hander with this, like, yeah. you know, kind of like how Death Trap is mainly a three hander and then Helga Tendorp comes in, you know. No, I just think it's so fun. It's so deftly handled by all parties. <laughs> Even Bruce, who, yeah. again, as we've said, our piece on on Bruce, man, imagine this is Kevin Klein. I'll be sad about that mm. for a bit. But imagine it is Nick Nolte. You know and what? Don't be I'm too thrilled. Sad. <laughs> thrilled, I say. Um, yeah, it's it's a real hoot and it's a real fun rewatch. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll end with these two things. So as I said, they have been trying to make this into a musical. So in December 2017, Christine Chenoweth. <laughs> Christine Chenoweth, of course, was announced to be starring in a Broadway musical adaptation of Death Becomes Her. She mentioned it again in a 2019 interview. Wow. Of course, this is the pre-pandemic Pre-pando. times. So who knows what wrench that threw into the works. But I believe it is to be the Merrill role. So I don't sure. know who you have as Helen. I could see Kristen as the Helen role too, yes, though. absolutely. I, I might be more interested She's, in, but it depends is, on who you like, pair with. I don't know her. I've met her like once. Um, so I don't have any insight into this. But like watching her journey from like young kid who happened to like, you know, not yeah. happen. She was very talented and very skilled, but like who won a Tony very early on in her career and then like did a lot more film and TV and everything. She's now this like... I see the Oklahoma roots in that I see the like very specific, like the tan and the, the attention to detail with how you look in a particular way, which actually makes her really good for this Mm, property that makes it makes me wonder if she would be down to play Helen or not, Mm, you know, like, I I don't know because I, again, I don't know her and she seems to have a sense of humor but well, i don't know well, she's willing like to play dowdy for bernadette and into the woodsness where you have him looking all dowdy but, but no, then bernadette's the reveal... not dowdy is no, the no, which no. she's in full well, prosthetics yes. okay you I, know? look i get exactly what yeah, you're yeah. saying but also yes. talking about christian chenoweth i'm now thinking of because she was in that on the 20th century yes. most recently that we were discussing earlier I could see her co-star from that Peter Gallagher having played oh, Ernest. Yes. I think would be would be a good fit. Excellent. Um, and then in that case, that means in this musical version, do we get fellow eyebrow gentleman Brian, Brian Darcy, Darcy James? That's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, so I yeah, don't know yeah. who I want as Helen. I love Kristen as Madeline, love it. But I'm like, get me Brian Darcy James yeah. as your 
uh, 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 Ernest. Oh, Shrek himself. You get me like an Emily Skinner or like. They'll get someone. There's plenty of Or someone a little, people's. whatever. I don't know. Stephanie J. Block. Like they'll get someone. Some. I feel like they're going to get someone that's more, or maybe they're getting a more of a namey type person. I don't to know. To play Helen? I don't, I don't know. know. I was just, we'll see. you know. Just if they need think. like a, if they need like a movie star name. I don't know. I honestly yeah. don't know. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Who knows? Um, but I'll end on this. So during filming, Robert Zemeckis had like a little catchphrase that he would kind of like say as, as they were like about to like do a take, like instead of action or maybe along with action. And the screenwriter, David Kep, frequent Zemeckis collaborator, thought this was very fun. So he wrote this as a catchphrase. And I have a catchphrase, a one-liner for the film that he would write for the next year, Jurassic Park, which was that Robert Zemeckis would often say right before filming, hold on to your butts. Oh, what? Amy Jo? Jeff? What you recommending this week? Well, this movie has been out now for a little bit, but as this is a queer favorite, as far as films go and very campy, I thought I would recommend a contemporary gay film, which is Fire Island, which is, of course, Joel Kim Booster's uh, remake, his contemporary gay remake of Pride and Prejudice set on Fire Island, starring it's Bowen Yang and so Matt Rogers good. and McAdams and Conrad Ricamora. It's delightful. It's really fun. Margaret Cho. Um, and there's there's just like a lot of reasons to love it. And we should all be supporting this film um, for all the reasons you want to support a movie, but also just because it's like these are some really talented voices and we want to make sure we continue um, to get talented voices greenlit. So that means we have to stream their properties. So I am recommending again Fire Island streaming on Hulu. Love it. Jeff. Amy Jo. What you recommended? Uh, I'm also going to recommend a newer film. There's an Amazon uh prime original or whatever where they've you know they bought it uh this movie emergency which is also a dark comedy very dissimilar from this film um but is about a three college students two black one latino who are getting ready for a legendary night of partying only to find a drunk white girl passed out in their apartment and them weighing the pros and cons of what this situation might look like were they to call police and about the in- entanglements, some comedic, some very suspenseful as they are trying to f- figure out what is the best way to go about this, situ- to deal with the situation mm-hmm. in terms of helping this girl without looking. I mean, as the tagline says, it's not what it looks like, uh, but Ooh. it's, it's very funny and it just rides that line. It's very funny. It's very it's fraught very fraught it's very fraught um but rj seiler who is was in a me and earl and the dying girl amongst other things uh he's in that i think he was the blue ranger in that new power rangers movie that i certainly didn't see but he's very good in me and earl and the dying girl he's very good in this film along with his co-stars donald elise watkins and sebastian chacon who i was not familiar with either of them but they are so good in this so i recommend checking out emergency on prime and that's what we're recommending this week. Da, da, da. Do you have a movie that you'd love for us to break down the casting of? Email us at andalmoststarring at gmail.com and let us know. Follow us on Instagram at andalmoststarring and see when we announce the movie we're going to do the following week. And just, you know, generally follow our shenanigans. Until next time, I'm Jeff Ronan. Yeah, I'm Amy Jackson. And thanks for joining us to see who almost stars. That's death, baby.